time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and you are on the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. In our last episode, we talked some about forgiveness, how we need to forgive others. That's a very important concept that many people miss because many people are waiting for something external to happen before they finally give that space where they forgive. The problem is we don't always have that. We don't always have somebody who's offering us an apology. We don't always have somebody who's deciding to try to make it up to us. And sometimes we only have somebody who knows that they have hurt us. So last episode, we talked about those many reasons why we should still forgive and can still forgive. But that raises the question about forgiving something else or somebody else. The somebody I'm talking about in this case happens to be you. How do you forgive yourself? I mean, you could say, oh, I'm so sorry I did that, right? But does that work? Can you still get to a place of forgiveness? And does it matter anyway if you self-forgive? This is really about when you have done something, not when you blame yourself for something that is really outside of your control, but when something is within your control, And remember, there are only a few things that are within our control. So as we talk about that first, let's just briefly recap where we have control. And then you can decide if what happened is about you forgiving yourself or recognizing that it really isn't something you are responsible for. So if you imagine yourself standing there and looking around and there's a big circle. And in that big circle is everything that is within your concern. They're the things that you're concerned about, the things that worry you, the things that keep you up at night. And those things that keep you up at night are the the, those places of concern, right? It could be family, it could be friends, it could be your job, it could be the world situation, the environment, all those pieces of the puzzle out there that are within our concern. It may include people very close to you that are within your concern. The problem is many times we take an extra step and assume that what's in our concern is actually in our control. And when we try to control things that are not within our control, when we try to control the things that are in our area of concern, it leads to frustration, but it can also lead to some self-blame. It can lead us to believe that we've done something even though it's outside of our area of control. So what do you have control over? I believe that we have control over three things. Your attitude, your aspirations, and your actions. That's it. Your attitude, aspirations, actions. Notice what I didn't say. Other people's actions. Other people's aspirations and even their attitude, their beliefs, all of that stuff, that's not within your control. So your aspirations are what you want to move towards, what you most want to embrace. Now, they're within your control to choose them. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be with you all the time. Sometimes we have an aspiration, but we don't move in that direction. You see, there's another piece that we don't have quite so much control over, and that's our fears. Our fears can often pull us off balance, and we can't control whether those fears pop into our head. It's just kind of an automatic process that our brain does. That's how our brain is built. So sometimes people are even upset with themselves for having feared something. 
but they don't recognize that the fear is not something they can control, only the aspirations. Many times the fear is actually the exact mirror image of our aspirations, but we can only choose our aspirations. We can also choose our attitude, by which I don't mean we can always have a great day and put on a smile and have that positive attitude. But a positive mental attitude is a different thing. To have the belief and to choose the belief that you will figure it out, instead of saying, yeah, I give up, I can't do this, you have a choice of always saying, I will do this. You know, we can choose either attitude. I can't do this or I will do this. I can't figure it out or I will figure it out. I can't go on or I keep on pushing forward. We get to choose that attitude. So that attitude is always a choice in our mind. Even if we forget it, it's really a choice. And the other thing we have to control are our actions, what we say and do, what we don't say, what we don't do. Now, this is the arena where we can begin to think about the things that we torture ourselves with. Our actions, what we say and do, what we didn't say, what we didn't do, that's more of what we want to focus on. So if you've been listening to this and you've realized that something that you're upset about, something that you're blaming yourself for is outside of your control, now you can recognize that you need to let it go. If it's outside of your control, it may be in your concern, but it's not your responsibility at that point. So what about these, these other pieces? So what we're now talking about are the things that you think about uh, the things that haunt you, maybe even the things that you hold on to, wake up with, think about all the time, those are the pieces that we're talking about. You know, the ones you relive, maybe you replay that conversation that didn't go right, or the time that you didn't do something, or you did do something you knew that you shouldn't do, or maybe the time you should have said something and you, you didn't. All of those times that kind of come back to us where you go, oh my gosh, why didn't I do X. Why didn't I say X? Why did I say X? Why did I do X? Those are the ones we're talking about here. You know, they haunt us. Now, here's a little uh, secret. We all have those moments, with one exception. <laughs> the people who have no moments of thinking about how they said or did something or didn't say or didn't do something that they should have or didn't, shouldn't have done, we have a term for that in psychology. They're called sociopaths. They're people who don't have a natural conscience. Somewhere along the way, they lost their empathy with other people. But other than that, the rest of us know that we are human and know that we have a conscience because we have the things that we regret. And the things that we regret are what we're addressing today. Interestingly, sometimes when I've worked with clients who had these regrets, when I talked about forgiving themselves, they almost felt like if they did, they would somehow have you know, tried to shirk their responsibility. Here's the thing. At some point, we can do everything to rectify the situation, everything to apologize, everything to change our behavior, make amends, all of those great things to do. And if it still haunts us, it's no longer serving us. It's keeping us held back. And this is one of those places where many people get stuck. It can really get you stuck if there's something that you need to let go of and you keep it in there and you keep it processing and you keep trying to make a redo. And that's really what is often happening when we're not wanting to forgive it. We want to find another way to, to have thought through that process for it to have not happened. So when we're saying, wow, how could I have said that? How could I have done that? 
We're trying to find an alternate way of it not having been said, not having been done. And there's a level of embarrassment that comes along with that. So what often happens is that we're thinking about these things that we did, these words that we said, these actions that we didn't do or words we didn't say and we should have, and they haunt us. So what happens from that point? Well, along the way, it's just waiting back there. It's kind of like the haunt, right? There's something that's ready to jump out and scare you. And so along the way, we have some thought that we suddenly connect back to that moment. Maybe you see somebody that was involved or see somebody that reminds you of somebody involved, or maybe there's something else that kind of catches your thought process. So it can come from the inside or the outside. Something can trigger you on the outside. You go to the same location, you hear the song or read the book or see the person or something, and you're right back back to that scene again. Or you're just thinking along and, and maybe even have gotten into a habit of uh, kind of self-chastising as a way of reminding yourself about that time when you did what you shouldn't have done or didn't do what you should have done. And in the process, it triggers us to recall that incident. Now, when you do that, we start self-castigating and giving ourselves a good case of self-consternation. We just fuss at ourselves. You know that you hear those words, we fuss at ourselves, how could I or how couldn't I or why did I or what was I thinking and oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I feel so bad about that. You know, I feel so regretful of having taken that action. When those words start running around in our heads, the next piece that happens is that we take on an emotional charge. It affects you emotionally. It drags you down. Maybe you've been having a great day. Maybe everything's been going well, and suddenly that trigger happens, that thought, that something out external to you triggers you. You go back to that, and suddenly you feel bad about yourself. You feel some depression, anxiety, frustration, a sense of being a failure, all of those flood of emotions. So the emotional charge hits, and then right after the emotional charge comes the physical charge because our body reacts to our thought process. Our thoughts create the emotions. Our emotions create the bodily sensation. Suddenly you've got adrenaline kicking through your system or suddenly you have a lot of other hormonal responses in your body that either get you revved up in, in uh, upsetness or revved down in depression. We feel bad about those pieces. And so suddenly not only are you thinking these thoughts, but you're feeling it. Your body gets overwhelmed with that. And when that happens, along comes shame. The sense of shame that means that you feel like you're less than, that you don't deserve, that somehow there's a part of you that's just wrong. This is the difference between shame and guilt. You might feel bad about having done something wrong. That's guilt. If I did something that I shouldn't have done, and I feel bad about that, that's guilt. But when I then take that feeling and enlarge it to all of me, not just about that moment, how I acted poorly in that moment, but how that means that all of me is a rotten egg, all of me is just a bad person and not worthy of being loved and not worthy of, of anything, suddenly I've stepped into shame. It's no longer just about the guilt. Guilt is incident-specific. Shame is where we apply it to all of ourselves. And that can make you feel inadequate, undeserving, embarrassed, incapable. And in reality, in that moment, in that moment when you got triggered, nothing has happened to you. Nothing external has happened, right? Maybe you saw that person, maybe you saw that whatever it was that triggered you, you had that thought, 
and you have this whole rush of feelings all the way down to realizing that you feel, not that it's true, but that you feel inadequate, undeserving, embarrassed, incapable, and nothing has happened in reality. It's all been created in our mind, in our thinking, in our body, in our emotional response. Which is when we need to remember the starting point of this. What has happened has happened. You can't go back and do it over again. There's no redo. And when, when I was uh, parenting my kids, one of the things that we often practiced was doing a redo, which was in the moment. You know, somebody would start in a direction that where, you know, it wasn't going to go well. We knew we were going to get headlocked and, and locking those horns and all the other things that often happens in a parent-child relationship. And I would say, do you want to do a redo? Now, a do a do redo is to act as if that moment right before it had not happened by doing the moment differently. And that's a great thing for parenting. If you do redos with your kids, then they get to learn in the moment, process it in the moment, and move to a better response. Sometimes my kid would say, or kids would say, no, I don't want to do a redo. But I was trying to give them an opportunity to step back and think about what was going on and come at a different approach. This is different than that. When life has gone on past that moment, there is no redo for the things in the past. There surely are ways of making things better, but you, it, to think about those things in terms of trying to find another way through them doesn't happen. The problem is that we, we keep reliving those pieces. The ancient Greeks believed in the fates, the three sisters who created our fate. And so when we talk about the fates, what is my fate? A lot of people uh, would believe that th there were these three sisters in ancient Greece. One would uh, start to uh, weave that uh, thread of life. That's when you came into the world. The other would measure out that thread of life. That's how long you had on the earth. And the other would take the scissors and clip it. That's when you died. Those three sisters are the start, the duration of your life, and the end of your life. And fatalism is the belief that we don't get to choose our path forward. I tend to believe that we have lots of choices in our path forward. Sure, there are circumstances that come our way over which we have no control. But in many ways, we have lots of control of the choices we make and the actions we take. And so I would suggest practicing reverse fatalism. Reverse fatalism is instead of the belief that we have no way of changing our future, reverse fatalism is believing that we have no way of changing our past, that it's absolutely beyond us. It's over and done. And the best we can do is remind ourselves that's over and done. What can I do now? Which brings us how we begin to move forward. These things that are living within you, what they're pointing to is the fact that they're unresolved for you. When you have those moments of reliving, that tells you they're unresolved. And so when we're trying to shift from that unresolved thought process, that unresolved place where you realize that something's still holding you back that you claim responsibility for, then we can begin to practice self-forgiving. So how do we do that? Let me propose five, at least five different steps on how to get there. The first one is to accept that we all make mistakes. It's part of being human. We're going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. 
And so in the beginning of that process, we're able to establish that we're not going to do things perfectly. We're going to make mistakes. And then the question is, what do we do past those mistakes? You see, I have a built-in belief, and this is step number two, that people, and that includes you, do the best they can given where they are. Now, they can do better when they are at a better place, but where they were at that moment is why we act the way we do, all of us. One time I had somebody ask me, you know, why would somebody do those things? And my response came from um, a, a Stoic philosopher who said the reason that people do what they do is because it seems reasonable. In other words, they have a reason that they're doing it. It makes sense in their head, even if five minutes later it makes no sense. Have you ever done something that's very much out of character with you, but in the moment it just made sense to do? Maybe somebody had done something that triggered your anger and you responded in anger because you were absolutely true, true that it was you who had been done wrong. And it was absolutely fact that you needed to react in a way because of what they had done. It made sense to you in that moment. So the fact is, and I firmly believe this, that people do the best they can given where they are. That doesn't mean we're all always acting at our optimal position. It doesn't mean that we can't do better in even five, 10 minutes or a day or a week or a year or 10 years. But right then, in that moment, we're doing the best we can given where we are. When we accept that belief, then we see where those mistakes come from. We can accept that those mistakes are there and that we actually were in that moment doing what made sense to us, what was reasonable in that moment. Which brings us to number three, and that is we have to practice reverse fatalism. Practicing reverse fatalism is reminding yourself when things aren't going well, that they're done. When things haven't gone well, they are done and beyond you. You're past it. I was talking with a person who had uh, finished a semester at school and the semester had not gone well. And the person kept trying to figure out, you know, what could have been done differently that semester, which was a great exercise in figuring out the next semester. But what I noticed was the person kept trying to redo the semester that had already happened. And reverse fatalism is saying that is behind me and done. And once it's done, I can't undo that and I have to figure out what to do next, which is step number four, to make amends. This is actually one of those key principles from the 12-step program that says that part of your recovery process is making amends wherever possible. Going and doing things to make the situation that you caused better if possible. Making apologies where uh, somebody might be hurt by that when possible. And recognizing there are times when we can't do that. Recognizing there are times when we cannot make amends and at that point, we have to recognize we still have to let it go. And the way we let it go is not by saying, well, had nothing to do with me. I can let that go and never worry about it again. There's nothing here. Instead, we learn the lesson and let it go. One of the big pieces of what happens in life is the fact that we can change what happens in life by learning from where things don't work. In the moments when life is tough, Life is teaching us a lesson. So we are either succeeding or we're learning from what happens to us. 
And the same is true with the times when we act poorly, when we act in ways we reflect on down the road and wish we hadn't. We simply can say, what do I need to learn about myself? What do I need to learn about how I respond to these situations and how do I want it to be different the next time? Because the next step after that is to say, and I'll let it go. I forgive myself. And to remind yourself as they pop back into your head that you have learned the lesson, that you have made amends, that you were doing the best you could in that moment, and it's time to let that go. You don't have to be uh, a representation of what your past has been. There's a chance for us at every moment to say, okay, I'm moving forward differently. I'm moving forward new. So many times I've talked with people who hold on to the hurts from other people or their shortcomings from the past as if they haven't recognized that in this moment they get to choose their next path. And the way through that is by forgiving others and forgiving yourself. If this has been helpful for you, I'll let you know that my new book, The Forgive Process, is out. It's out in ebook format right now. You can find it on all of your favorite ebook platforms. You can also uh, pre order it on most uh, online stores, and you'll be able to find it in your local bookstore come October. October 10th is the release date of the paperback version, the, the printed version. But if you're needing a process to help you forgive, it lays it out in six steps, and you can find it now in ebook format. If you want to learn about that, you can go to theforgiveprocess.com, theforgiveprocess.com. Otherwise, I wish you the best as you continue to build your thriving life. listening to the Thriveology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.